0: Jeremy McMahon, meditation teacher, Tibetan Buddhist scholar, and audio engineer. And welcome to Meditating with Friends, a podcast where we explore meditation through friendly conversation. Each episode includes a guided meditation that you are invited to join. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in working with me one on one to help deepen your meditation practice, send me a message on Instagram at jeremymindfulness now enjoy the show all right everybody how you doing it's your friend jeremy mcmindfulness here with another episode of meditating with friends where everyone meditates uh so this week we're talking to uh, old friend of mine nina russo she works at the virginia zoo in norfolk virginia And she's a zookeeper, so she spends her career uh, taking care of a lot of really cool exotic animals, uh, particularly animals from Asia. Uh, So we're going to get into her relationship uh, with these animals and kind of how she got into working with the animals and really exploring uh, what a zoo actually does, (laughs) because it was a lot more than I normally think of uh, when I think of a zoo. So it's really great really great conversation Um, and then also she runs uh, an Instagram uh, of her two cats called bad cat family and she has products actually uh, for sale uh, to enhance your relationship with your cats and to enhance your cats lives so check that out Also, I'll mention that this week the meditation music was done by my good friend Adam Kaplan, a.k.a. Adam from Philly. Uh, And so, funny, me and Adam actually recorded an episode uh, of the podcast and the website that I use messed up and I lost all of his... Uh, recording, so I only just have me. I thought about putting that out, but then I was like, no, that's not cool. Uh, So, um, I was really bummed about that because it was a great conversation, but we'll have him back on the show um, probably in a few weeks or so, but he did make this piece of music, uh, so we're using it today, Um, and uh, yeah, his links will be in the description so you can check out his music if you're into it. Um, And then one last thing before we get started, Uh, practicing gratitude is something that, uh, you know, can be very important for meditation practice. It's something that the Dalai Lama talks a lot about. And like, they've actually done a lot of studies to show that like actively practicing gratitude and actively being grateful, uh, you know, really does have profound effects, uh, on your mind and, uh, just your outlook on things. So I'm going to try this out. Maybe I'll keep doing it. Maybe I won't, but I'm just going to highlight, my highlight of the week and as a way for me to practice gratitude and also just to tell you a little bit more about myself and what I do when I'm not uh, meditating because despite what some people think, uh, I don't just sit around and meditate all day. Uh, So looking back on this week, probably my favorite moment was um, staying up till 5 a.m., Tuesday I guess Tuesday going into Wednesday uh, with my friend Zach Um, there may or may not have been um, some beer involved but we were uh, working if you can believe it or not (laughs) we were working on uh, some new music um, a project that me uh, Zach and my roommate Abe have been kind of working on uh, in quarantine Uh, so very excited to get that out Um, and you'll hear about that soon so yeah that was the, the highlight of the week for me, was that moment. But anyway, fantastic show coming your way. Uh, Nina Russo, wonderful human being, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. All right. Hello, Nina.
1: Hello, Jeremy.
0: <laughs>
1: How are you doing today? I've had an excellent day. Um, it's been really beautiful and sunny here in Virginia, although it's been a little cold. Cool? Cool. Um, but I'm like super into the fact that it's sunny. So I'm a little bit more energized than I usually am at uh, seven something in the evening. So I'm I'm pretty, pre pumped.
0: So you're pumped. You're ready to go.
1: Yeah. Pumped cool. for meditating.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got, you got to get pumped for meditating. Um, but yeah, it's been a really nice day here in New York too. I mean, it uh, finally feels like the, uh, the winter is beginning to release her grasp and, you know, before we know it, it's going to be spring
1: right
0: on yeah it's
1: almost almost a solstice you know
0: almost a solstice yeah you have any plans for the solstice
1: (laughs) besides being elated no (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) you don't have any pagan rituals that you're gonna do
1: no not not anything lined up but now that you say it i I might have to uh make an event for the eve
2: yeah
0: (laughs) um yeah so anyway nina um who is Nina? Why don't we talk about that? What what is what is Nina? Who is Nina? <laughs> what does Nina do? What does a Nina do uh, on a on a sunny spring day in Virginia Beach?
1: Uh, what is a Nina? Um, uh, I'd like to think of myself as a little ball of light and being a, a very friendly uh, personality <laughs> in general, um, <laughs> outwardly. I'd say um, that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, But uh, I guess by day, I am a zookeeper at the Virginia Zoo. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: So I'm spending a lot of time interacting with animals and people and doing a lot of uh, physical labor. Mm -hmm. And by night, it's uh, hanging out with my cats and uh, focusing on uh, taking care of them the same way. It's the same energy and passion that I take care of the animals at the zoo. Mm -hmm. That's me all day. Just trying to be happy and and, and surround myself with critters.
0: Yes. So proud, proud zookeeper. (laughs) Proud cat mom. And uh, you do have a cat uh, Instagram account, I believe. Is that correct?
1: You know, I'm sure on my regular personal Instagram account, everyone was getting fed up with the cat pictures. So it transferred to be a second account with just just the cat stuff and then um starting to build a little business around just cat themed goodies
0: um like what what type of cat themed goodies
1: so my favorite thing is just enrichment and just like bettering the lives of hey myself for sure Mm -hmm. and and the animals as well so um I'm super into like taking my cats outside in a really Mm. controlled setting because Mm -hmm. uh, I have indoor cats and (laughs) I don't want them to be, um, out there causing trouble out there recklessly. So I take my cats, (laughs) killing birds. We don't like that. We (laughs) we, We really like conservation in this house. So no killing birds and, um, Meet in the neighborhood cats, so uh, I like to take mm. my cats out for walks. So that involves some gear to keep them harnessed and safe. And mm. uh, recently, the most exciting thing in my life is that we got a cat backpack, so now we can take uh, really long mm. strolls with them. Just, um, I would say, uh, with their consent, for sure, they chose to get in the backpack. But I'm like, now you're going wherever <laughs> I, want to, I want to go with you. Um, I want you to see the outside world and get that that experience as well.
0: Uh, Are those the cat backpacks with, like, the little, like, globe face in it? Yeah, so many
1: of them have this really cool, like, bulb on the front. However, I did not get one of those. I don't know. I feel like if I was looking out at, like, a curved piece of plastic, I feel like it would mess with my eyes and Mm -hmm. my brain. I was like, no, all of this is, like, vents all the way, like, mesh vents. And then we Mm open the top, too. So you're just kind of, like, you're the pack mule.
2: Mm-hmm, and they just mm-hmm. get to
1: ride on your back like royalty, and they can like look at the top. <laughs> and they're all strapped in. They're like, "Right on! I don't have to do this." Yeah. Um ones bulb do look like you're sending your cat to space, which is kind of cool. Kind of jealous.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome, and I'm sure. Well, do well. i maybe I don't know, but do they like it? Do <laughs> they they do they like being treated like royalty and like riding you like an elephant or something like that?
1: <laughs> I would say just reading their behavior they don't act negatively
2: okay
1: let's just say that i don't hear any i can't tell you what they're feeling for real they 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 don't like to talk to me very much but
0: oh. um and what, they're, what are still, the cat's they're still names?
1: crying you know oh, okay. uh, so we That's got good. two <laughs> yeah uh, i've got the really good cat and her name is gertie, gertie
2: uh so yes.
1: she, she's a little girl cat and uh She's Gertie because she's a sturdy girl. All right? Sturdy, Gertie.
2: She's
1: just nice and sturdy. Uh, and then we mm-hmm. have the, the devil cat, uh, and his name is <laughs> Noah. So just two for now. We live in a, a small apartment, so that's, that's plenty. Only and, two? and thankfully, just two for now. So <laughs> thankfully for this podcast, we have the bad one, which I mentioned. He is locked out of the room. All right. We're not knocking over glasses in this podcast. We are not scratching and crying. The good one's actually Mm -hmm. with me. So if you guys hear any nonsense, that is the good one.
0: It will not be the first cat that has made some noise on the podcast. (laughs) Um, I will say that for sure, Um, unfortunately. Uh, But Gertie, happy to have you here. (laughs) Uh, Noah, glad you're locked in a closet somewhere
1: (laughs) he's with the cat dad they have the rest of the run of the apartment so hope we're okay
0: okay. that's good that's good (laughs) um so let me ask you about like how i mean i feel like you know a lot of people would really love to work with animals and like you know they imagine being a zookeeper as you know just being like able to hang out with animals all the time and you do get to hang out with some pretty cool animals. I do know that for a fact, but, uh, just out of curiosity, like how did you get into this and like sort of what led you to wanting to work with animals in this way?
1: I mean, is this cliche to just like jump back to where we just were? Like it was cats. So I grew up with cats
0: and uh, (laughs) it all comes back to cats.
1: (laughs) Moral of the story, guys, y'all should get a cat. Um, just growing up, like, so everyone has friends that come and go but a lot of people i think can relate to having um a pet as being a really close confidant especially through when you're when you're young and mm-hmm. you know middle school high school what have you
2: mm-hmm. and you
1: have a pet that um is there for you through all that really in, intense stressful times that you're navigating Uh, And I was always just like, "Oh, cats just get me or like animals just get me and Mm -hmm. um, kind of felt the same. It's a little more of a stretch, but like little kids, like they just, they're so fueled by the basics. Mm -hmm. They like to play, sleep when you're tired, eat when you're hungry, drink Mm -hmm. when you're thirsty. Um, And I was like, I get that. I hated the BS of adulthood. Yeah. So I just definitely related to animals. I know a lot of people say like they're my best friends and you can talk to them and they don't judge you. I think that's really important. You don't feel like that Mm -hmm. judgment from them. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus it's just really cool. (laughs) Exotic animals are really cool. Yeah. Um, So there's, there's definitely the line between like on one side I was really drawn to exotic animals and how interesting they are. And then also just the side of conservation of knowing the plight of a lot of these species and wanting Mm -hmm. to have a career that helped them. And when I did my research and started looking into it, zookeeping was that perfect answer of conservation work paired with actually getting to work side by side along these animals and species
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a lot of
1: routes you could go with conservation. I could be, um, and maybe somebody down the line, you know, in an office writing grants for conservation. And maybe that, that money is where it feeds into me, what I'm doing or, um, other conservation efforts that like our zoo supports. Uh, Mm Um, but at least at one point in my career, I wanted to get my hands dirty and do the like the physical conservation work and get to work side by side with them. Mm. And it's been really rewarding. I think that's kind of like the cliche word (laughs) with some of these fields that you follow for your passion. It's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And I think people say that (laughs) because it may not be like what you dreamed up or what people (laughs) think about it, because it is, um, very draining or like there's a lot of negative sides to things.
2: Uh, you know,
1: you're, you're really giving up your, your physical body. Um, it's a very physical job. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to be spending Christmas morning with your family. So you're giving up holidays, you're giving up, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a more high paying field than you would have been in. So there's so many sacrifices, but you keep doing it because it's your calling.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so you know, I'll probably be doing zookeeping keeping until uh, till my body tells me that it's time to move on to another aspect of conservation. <laughs> but yeah, um, it it definitely is those animal relationships and and the people relationships um, yeah. that that bring me back every day because the other benefit to this is that I'm surrounded by. People that feel the same way as I do, and they're also mm-hmm. really passionate and have similar interests, um, so I can just vibe with those people. And it's it's really a pleasure to get to work alongside my coworkers every day because they're really right. inspirational people as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've really like found, you know, your your tribe, both, and it's a, it's a tribe of both, (laughs) uh, people and exotic animals. And just, just so for our listeners, um, can you name, uh, uh, just a couple or a few of your favorite animals that you work with? uh, Sure.
1: Absolutely. And one of them, I actually have a question about for you. So, um, (laughs) so (laughs) through my career, um, I've worked with a bunch of different taxa. So I've worked with like primates and big cats and, and bears. Um, mm-hmm. So currently I'm working with um, orangutans, siamangs, uh, gibbons, uh, tigers, uh, two species of Asian bears, um, uh, some SARS cranes. Mm-hmm. Um, a variety of different like Asian species. I should mention I work in the uh, Asia section of the zoo. So it's all mm-hmm. geographically laid out. So mm-hmm. all the species I work with are Asian species um, and they're all endangered species. So it's super awesome. It's such a privilege to get to interact with such a rare endangered species and also just get to feed into their daily care and mm-hmm. protection because this is our safety net. Yeah, there's so many, and I'm sure. I mean, you you're pretty well traveled, so I'm sure you know of several different um, like ecological impacts, like whether it's weather, human human impact, and deforestation and burning fields down to plant palm oil plantations and all this stuff. So those animals in the wild are just like it's just an onslaught i mean it is the numbers are declining by the day so it is such a pleasure to have this little oasis of individual animals that i get to like bond with that also are just being this really genetically healthy safety net population for mm. for the animals out in the wild because they're having a really hard time poaching pet trade
2: yeah.
1: um habitat loss fragmentation all these things so um love the species i work with <laughs> um
2: <laughs> so a
1: lot of cool animals really um, really amazing stuff um so where i want to bump it back to you is uh, so one of my favorite animals that i like to that i work with and i uh, have an inkling that you also love our um, red pandas. Yes, um, <laughs> the, your response that was so steadfast and sure. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I work with um, I've worked with many red pandas throughout the years, and we've had some successful breeding programs, which is absolutely amazing because they yeah. are critically endangered which is such a shame um so we have this really nice setup where they can be safe protected and be paired with um mates that are genetically diverse so we can have a nice healthy population mm, and also yeah. have fun with them while they're here we, you know set up new enrichment and habitats and all kinds of great stuff for them but mm. they're your favorite animal and I, w- I would love for you to talk about um why <laughs> they're your favorite animal and what and what your connection is with them
0: uh yeah I mean well I don't know I don't know it's hard for me to say I have a favorite animal but they're definitely you know like top top five I would say um you know and I don't know I mean I just as soon as I saw like an image of a red panda I was just like yes that thing is awesome (laughs) I love it so much and I think well, it's just like the color of it, and you know, and the, it was just like a weird kind of looking raccoon type of thing, and <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so I don't know. Aesthetically, I find them very pleasing.
1: <laughs> they look um, like they look like stuffed animals, to be honest. Yeah, they're they're yeah. absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, and the other thing that's really cool about them is um, about how they're uh, you know they're from the Himalayas um and from more kind of the lower lower uh wooded uh mountains and um yeah i so i don't know so any animal that has like connection to the himalayas you know for me is like uh just get more enthralled with it so i think those two things are really why i love red pandas and they're just i don't know yeah they're just so sweet looking and um One of my best friends, Joe, up here also loves red pandas. And that was uh, a way that we Mm -hmm. bonded, too, was I, like, went over to his house once and he had, like, a red panda, like, pillowcase on his bed. How (laughs) unique is that? (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, you you down with red pandas? And Joe's like, yeah, I'm down with red pandas. And actually, um, he and his wife just went upstate to... Uh, a zoo I guess uh, or some type of sanctuary where he got to feed a red panda that uh, previously had lived in Brooklyn um, at the (laughs) at the Prospect Park Zoo, and then, you know, like a true hipster, uh, <laughs> fled the city uh, to move upstate. Um, so that was, I, I saw his video, uh, like he posted a video on Instagram of him like feeding the red panda, and I was just like, oh, you motherfucker, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> um, but I did, um so, yes, you are my hero for helping save <laughs> the pandas. Um, But I will... I don't know. Th- there's so much that you talked about that I want to address. Um, and so I hope I can remember everything. But uh, what you were talking about, like, with your connection to animals and how, like, you know, this, particularly the this sense of, like, non-judgment that we get from animals. And I know, like, I totally relate to that, too, because, like uh i mean i like cats but i'm more of a dog person um and uh, you know that's just what i've always really loved about dogs and like having a dog around is that like no matter what like you know a dog like will still love you (laughs) and (laughs) and, like you know and it's Mm -hmm. such a good energy to have and it's like yeah again doesn't have judgment um and you know, it's, it's just like, there's a, I feel like there's a very much a reciprocal energy that happens when you're around animals. And I feel the other thing that really uh, struck me that you said about like, uh, you know, how animals like kind of, you know, they eat when they want, they sleep when they want, you know, they don't have this whole like, Cultural conditioning about like what's appropriate, you know, uh, and, and what's not appropriate. They like just literally just do what they feel like doing. And there's such a freedom in that that I think, you know, we resonate with because in a way, you know, we should be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we should be sleeping when we're tired. We should only eat when we're hungry. Like, you know, and it's just we have so much kind of cultural baggage and so much, you know, kind of these so much uh, like higher thought patterns and ideas, you know, we basically like live, I feel like most people just like live in a realm of ideas and thoughts. And when you see an animal, you know, like an animal doesn't have the ability, you know, to, to think particularly with language, you know, and... I feel like thinking with language oftentimes just causes us more trouble than it. <laughs> it's well, maybe not that it's worth because it's done great things, but like you know, it causes us a lot of trouble. It causes us a lot of pain and suffering. And when you see an animal and you sort of feel their energy and feel their vibe, I feel like it. It very much grounds you back into your body. And reminds you, you sort of just pick up from them that like, hey, I don't have to be like actively thinking all the time. You know, I don't have to be worrying about, you know, like what bills I have to pay when I get home. Uh, You know, I can just just be and exist. Um, So in a way, I mean, I think animals can really be great, great spiritual teachers. (laughs) Uh, And. I know because like that's another thing they say with like great spiritual masters you know i've i've just been hearing people talk about ram das a lot lately and i'm not like terribly familiar with ram das but just what people say about being around him was that it was like is that he just loved you for being you for just for just for being and like and <laughs> how like that's so profound to actually have that experience of like true unconditional love, like just for just for you being you, like not nothing being be, nothing that is being asked of you. It's just you are just being you.
1: Yeah. The, the not pre- predicting like stress and, and using the word, like using words, like you were saying
2: mm-hmm. totally
1: struck me. Yes. Like they are not, thinking through with language, and, and the worry, the preemptive yes. worry, the using that brain energy to think about things that are going to happen. I recently had to bring the good one, Gertie, the good <laughs> cat, um, to the vet. And it was just for um, the preemptive yearly vaccinations and everything. Mm-hmm. So she's feeling fine. She doesn't know any, none the wiser. And it's the night before. And I am so nervous because I hate bringing the cats in because I hate having to pack them up and put them in the car. And I know it's a new environment for them. And it's one that's usually not the most <laughs> rewarding. Yeah. Um, so I'm nervous, but I know that I need to be feeding off of her energy because she doesn't worry because she doesn't think about Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? She doesn't realize what's going to be happening. She's living so much in the moment. She's like, what's the matter, mom? We're sitting on the couch and you're petting my belly. This is awesome. In the moment, this is just awesome. (laughs) And I need to feed into that because the more anxious I get about what's coming up tomorrow and when I'm bringing the carrier out for them to like kind of practice using it, so she's hopefully none the wiser,
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: my nervous energy of Oh, I hope she goes in that crate and I don't have to get squirrely with her. I'm getting nervous and she cues off of that so much. Yeah. And um, it's going to really affect your results. And I have to mm-hmm. remember, don't worry about that until tomorrow. Don't worry about what's going to happen and just react to what is happening. Planning is different. I don't want to say like, I don't plan things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I do. And I think that sets you up for success, but the worry part of it and thinking about all the ways that it could go wrong in an, in an unhealthy way is just going to, kind of draw it to happen because if I am worried that she's not going to participate and go in the crate and she's going to go run under the bed and I'm going to have a crazy time trying to get her out as I'm rushing the vet, that's actually maybe going to initiate that to happen Mm
2: -hmm. because she is
1: reading that energy and I'm giving that off. So I need to just like live in the moment like, yeah, this is fine. Where we're going is fine. And guess what happened at the vet? Nothing bad. So, like, nothing bad actually even happens. Surprise, <laughs> <It's> just, surprise. <laughs> um, so you're really worrying about stuff. Um,
0: you, yeah. You really don't
1: want to bring it to reality by worrying about it.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that's really spot on. And, like, again, you know, we're talking about this with animals, but I think it also, like, extends to people. And, like, it can, you know, it's hard to be around somebody that is worried all the time. You know, it's hard to be around somebody that, is really, really suffering. And, you know, I mean, that's not to say that you shouldn't be there for other people, particularly in their times of needs. But, um, you know, again, that's why I always emphasize with meditation, you know, that, that we are really doing meditation, again, to serve other people. And, you know, when it comes to dealing with your cat or dealing with some other person, like, you know, you can worry and begin to like kind of react to that worry like having a react having like a very strong reactivity um to the worry is never really good (laughs) you know you're like oh god i'm worried (laughs) i should do something you know that's like that's not really the place you want to be um but you know what you can do is of course you know dip into you know, a quick meditation of just like, all right, well, maybe I'm just going to feel my breath for a little bit and feel even like feel how that worry kind of pulses through your body because, you know, I, I have, I've fallen in this trap a lot where I'm like, you know, if I'm worried about something or feeling bad about something, like oftentimes how I combat that is just by making a list of uh, you know the reasons why I shouldn't feel that way, <laughs> and then that's I awesome. Still, but but I but I, but the the thing is, I think it's too mental. I think it's too much of a thought process because I still feel that way, and I'm like, well, I have all these reasons to not feel this, not feel worried, but I am still worried mm-hmm. because the physical sensation like still exists in my body, and I need to feel that sensation and let it go in order to like actually process the worry. Um, and I mean, that's, you know, that's how a cat does it, you know, like I'm sure Gertie wasn't happy about going to the vet, but I'm sure she's over it by now, you know, <laughs>
2: like, is
0: yeah. So she's not like worried, you know, it's just not like she's replaying it in her mind, you know, being like, Oh God, that was so awful. Like, I hope I never have to do that again. You know, she probably had a physiological reaction to, you know, to being scared of being like, oh, where am I going? I don't, I don't know. I've never been here before. And, you know, her breath probably uh, got deeper and fuller and her heart rate probably went up and, you know, maybe some adrenaline got popped out, pumped out. But, you know, she felt all of that happening in the moment and was able to process that. And I feel like that's where us humans get stuck is that, you know, again, we don't feel these things so much in the moment and then we end up, you know, having these recurring worries. I mean, that's literally like, you know, PTSD is an extreme example of it, but I mean, that's literally what PTSD is, is like, you know, you just can't, you just replaying that traumatic event again and again and again in your, in your mind and then your body respond is responding to that, uh, physiologically. And, uh, you know, that just causes this, you know, (laughs) awful feeling of being stuck and to really get out of that cycle, you have to, well, I'm not really an expert in PTSD, but what I've been reading a lot about, you know, seems to suggest that you actually do have to really feel that. And that's why MDMA therapy is actually really good for PTSD, because it allows people to like really revisit their trauma um, while not uh, being overwhelmed by it because they're really Mm -hmm. high on MDMA, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and they're like, Oh, this is fine. (laughs) You know? Uh, But yeah. So like, again, I think there's just so much to learn from the animals and to, obs- I don't know. I feel like a fucking hippie saying that, but like, <laughs> you know, like learn from the animals, but it's true. And you know, uh, animals are great and you know, we should all spend time with them. And I, that leads me to another point that, uh, I really want to emphasize that I thought was really cool that you talked about was, um, you know, the sense of conservation with, uh, with the work that you do and that, you know, uh, I mean, I know some people do have, you know, negative views of zoos and that like, uh, you know, that, you know, you're putting an animal in a cage or, or whatever and they should be free. But like, I think I've heard you talk about this before, but I was wondering if you could talk about it a bit more, but I think there really is something to experiencing like actually experiencing the presence of these animals, and so yeah, I don't know. Could you just talk about that? Of like, like what would be the difference of like actually, like you know, watching a YouTube video of an orangutan or like actually being in the presence of an orangutan? You know,
1: right? Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So just uh, if you could talk about that, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that question. It's so I guess I'll I'll frame it this way. So I think a lot of people from the outside that are in this field view it as a zoo as um, a place, a recreational place. You mm-hmm. take your family, take your kids, and you get to uh, see these amazing endangered species and maybe you'll learn something. That's mm-hmm. that's almost the positive lens of the public view of what a zoo does. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it at the positive view. Yeah. Um, but but to me, from where I'm coming from and and the labor that we put in and what we do and where we're spending our resources and that kind of thing An accredited zoo, like the one I work at, we would exist whether we were open to guests or not. Um, so mm-hmm. it's simply like a, an auxiliary safety net set of animals and that are matched up with, other individuals of the same species from this whole net of accredited facilities mm. that um, can keep this really genetically diverse s- safety net population
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, in protected care
2: mm. uh,
1: with top notch vet care and um, they eat better than I do. I get jealous of their lunch. I was like, "Um, can I have right mango? Can I take a little off the top?
2: No. Um, um,
1: there's no pet trade involved. There's no poaching involved. There's Mm -hmm. no um, habitat loss. Um, Mm -hmm. they have like the perfect little habitat set up. It's a little microcosm, but it's usually just one or two individuals or if it's a social species, there's more. So we would have this this type of facility because we're our base foundation is making sure these animals don't go extinct. Mm.
2: Um,
1: so my job doesn't change at all whether a guest can come and see and get a wonderful experience or if we say no guests. We're just a facility to for conservation. Huh. Where the benefit comes in is what you mentioned. Why is it awesome that people can actually come and see these animals instead of just watching a video online? So whether people can actually come to the zoo or not, that's just the added cherry on top. And we are Mm. so happy that people can come and do that. Um, But first and foremost, we're going to be a conservation facility. Mm. But that does take money. (laughs) Yeah. and. So much money that not just supports the zoo, but then the zoo also siphons out to these really awesome organizations. The ones that you probably hear about the really badass guys out Mm -hmm. there with the guns, protecting the rhinos. Mm -hmm. I spent half a year doing a a fundraiser on my own time for that um, with our club like, and zoos accredited ones um, actually have, have to, to, maintain accreditation raise a certain amount of money to give to these conservation organizations like in situ, like in actual in these environments, in the native habitats, giving money to to protect the animals out there while we're here at home, making sure that these animals are, are taken care of and, and thriving and breeding and having this safety net population. But we Want to appeal to the people, <laughs> to mm-hmm. in the, these in our communities that like we're so community based. Like, yeah, I, I could say I wish everyone in the whole country would come to my zoo, but I know that's not realistic. Like, we right. want to be so embedded in a, in our community, and that our community is proud that they have a leading institution right there in their city yeah. that is helping to save endangered species, and to be proud of that, and to want to come out, and we want to support our communities like environmental efforts as well. Some, I'm, I'm on so many committees and I wear so many hats, but, <laughs> but that's because we're so passionate about like all these different topics. But there's something to be said for when you come to the zoo and you know that this is the work that we're doing, but you mm-hmm. still get, you get to come and be a part of it because your dollar that got you into there is feeding the animal that's there at the zoo and saving their cousins in the wild. Like, and then you get to look into their eyes and they, and you have, there's so many amazing moments that when frequent visitors to the zoo, I mean, we have so many members that just come and walk around cause it's a nice big park in mm-hmm. their city. And the more you come, these more, these little moments and then, and somebody will flag you down, they'll flag me down as a zookeeper and say, Oh my gosh, like I've never seen them do that before. I've been here. Fifteen times, and this, this is the first time I saw them do that particular thing. It was so wild. I didn't know that they knew how to open that um, open up boxes, or um, <laughs> I I didn't ever hear them do that call before. And oh man, they looked at my son because he was um, holding his little toy, and they 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 wanted to see what he was holding. And wow, those moments um, I think stick with people forever. And bringing it back to like how, how I, I, I relate to kids too, just like animals, is mm-hmm. those moments for a kid when you come and you, and you connect with an animal. I've had so many awesome little kids come up while I'm feeding the red pandas, for example, and be like, red pandas are my favorite animal. And they've got the plushie in their arms and this look on their eyes and the yeah. animals interacting with me. And they're like, I want to interact with that animal someday too. And the, and the only way is to keep them alive right now. So it really gets people to join in the conservation efforts and really relate to an animal the way that they can never do through a a video, which I think you can learn a lot about animal facts through a video and be inspired through the videos and stuff like that. But I'm talking the individuals. Um, so like all my animals, like I refer to them by name uh, to my coworkers, workers, not by like, oh, this species, that species. It's always like, oh, you know, Charlie's, Charlie's being weird again. You know, he <laughs> has to put that ball down. Like, um, and I think that when you when you go to the zoo, you're getting to know an individual. That's so powerful. Um, mm. So we just we love our guests. I mean they they're the ones that are the real conservation champions. Because they're supporting it. They're the ones dollar for dollar supporting it. And and that's awesome. So,
0: yeah, I think that's, I think you just did a great job of like explaining. I mean, I've just never thought of a zoo. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just always thought of a zoo being like, yeah, I mean, I know zoos did conservation work, but like this is the way that you described it as being like, we would be here whether or not like people would come to the zoo or not, you know, like, (laughs) you know, it's just like an added bonus. And then it's also just so cool because like, you know, what you're describing is like creating kind of this, this sense of community, you know, and that like, you know, I've seen it in my work too, in terms of, you know, I've previously, uh, you know, I worked at the Rubin Museum of Art. I currently work part-time at the Jewish Museum and like people, these institutions, uh, you know, uh, whether it's like art or animals or, you know, science museums or whatever, like people, people get really attached to them. And uh, that relationship to them is, is very powerful. And it's just, I think, yeah, and then it's just so cool that the added bonus to what specifically what you're doing is like is saving animals too. <laughs> Cause like I mean, I don't know. The Jewish Museum's cool. I like the I like the Jewish art uh there, but like I don't know, it's it's not saving animals. <laughs> I don't know, it's not saving endangered species. Um it's
1: preserving something absolutely yeah. huge. You know, so much if it's not preserved and talked about and expressed and explained like loses its its relevance and its meaning. And there's so much meaning behind so much. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, a shame to just let life roll on and let important lessons go away.
2: Yeah,
0: for sure. And like, I mean, I think that's what's great about, yeah, again, about all these like museums and zoos, you know, uh, it does, you know, they they are meant to like help preserve culture. And again, like, yeah, working at the Rubin Museum, you know, it was a Himalayan art museum. And of course, there aren't really that many Himalayan people. Uh <laughs> and uh you know and of course everything I haven't gotten into the politics yet on this podcast, but of course <laughs> just like you know, what's happened in China and Tibet and all that stuff. Like, you know, it it's uh it's important to, you know, to try to preserve these things um because because there's lessons there i mean for tibetan buddhism of course it's like well they're promising you know that they have the keys to uh to enlightenment um but you know there's a lesson in uh you know seeing a red panda climb a tree too (laughs) and a lesson uh of uh Watching an orangutan eat a mango, I think. Mm, mm. (laughs) I think those things share some. Yeah, (laughs) I'd be like, (laughs) maybe the lesson here is that I should be eating more mangoes because that looks really good. (laughs) Um, But anyway, should we, uh, you want to meditate? I do. Cool. Uh, Well, maybe before we get started, uh, so let me just ask do you meditate regularly or what's your experience with meditation?
1: So I don't meditate regularly. I'd say I've probably practiced meditation maybe only like 10 to a dozen times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and initially, like when I started getting the f- my first experiences with it were probably like m- early high school. Um, my first experiences were through yoga. So like my first time meditating, it's like corniest like story so it was early high school so i probably was the tender age of like 14 and Mm -hmm. there was some after school event Super cool, and it was like a wellness fair or something <laughs> where a bunch of like 14 year olds would go and, like, oh, there's no rules, this is not school anymore. This is the after school yeah. event of a wellness Ooh, fair. Yeah. yeah, it was at the volunteer fire station. Whoa, tables set up with snacks and everything. Kid, your mat, drinks, and, and chips. Wow. So, they had <laughs> uh, different wellness based things, and one of the activities was uh, a yoga session and uh, I was uh, brave enough to do a yoga session at 14 with a bunch of peers around in an after school <laughs> event and so uh, as you can imagine my mind was probably just like all over the place like your brain is crazy at 14 and it's a social event there's people everywhere um, so we did the yoga practice and I'm sure you, I'm sure I felt self conscious or whatever everyone else is doing it too though and mm-hmm. then uh, after we're in I oh gosh is the pose called like savasana where you're like laying down flat on your back
0: i think so yeah anyway don't quote um, me on that <laughs> it's course pose, there, right
1: that, sure that there, makes it sound yeah. way more magical yeah um, <laughs> and um so they're the instructor's kind of like at that point we had done the practice and and we're laying there so she's kind of going through each um section of the body. So you have some mindfulness to each of those sections of the body and just think about how each part of that body feels. And, and and what I recall from that experience is that the whole room disappeared. I'm talking like the 14 year old girls and boys and they're all chatting all over the place and chips and drinks and other stations to learn from. Everything else was like gone. I was like so Mm -hmm. fully focused on like all the different body parts they were talking about. And was so present just with myself And that was probably the first time that I I I had any real experience with it, Um, and I I was super impressed. I was like, "This stuff is cool." Yeah. Um, But from from fourteen to where I am now, not many not many practices, uh, (laughs) and 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 the rest of them with way less success. So um,
0: yeah. Well, that's uh, it's interesting because, like, I think. And again, I've mentioned this before, but, uh, you know, yoga, like yoga asanas, the the body postures um, originally were meant to warm one up for meditation. So you would uh, initially, you know, before you do med- sitting meditation, you'd stretch out your body and then you'd sit down where, you know, now, I don't know, when people talk about having a meditation practice, it's more just like a sitting meditation practice. So I think if, if I were to guess, like maybe that was why it was that time was so much more profound than the other times or it seemed easier to get to that state because you had kind of like warmed up your body a bit through uh through the yoga postures. Um, but with that being said, I think, you know, it's still fine to meditate without doing the yoga stuff um, beforehand, but it's fun to experiment, too. And also with that being said, I think uh, basically the meditation that you described that you did is what we're going to be doing today is we're, we'll do the body scan that I like to do. Uh, so we will just be like placing our awareness on different parts of the body and holding our attention there for a little bit. Um of course, uh, for the, all of the, all of you people, for the hundreds of millions of people listening to this podcast, uh, you are invited to join, uh, the meditation and to follow along. Um, so before we get started, uh, Nina, do you have any questions?
1: Uh, I feel like I've asked this in other, um, arenas, um, specifically your YouTube lives. Um. So I've gotten an answer, but I feel like it's beneficial. Like, what do you do about distractions? I've been so grateful that everyone in this household has left me alone tonight. Yeah, (laughs) animals and humans. Um, But like, what do you do if if something comes up in this practice that is distracting? What do you do?
0: Well, you just recognize the distraction and place your awareness back on wherever you're trying to hold your awareness. And that's basically all you can do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, like, again, like, I, and I, I know I've talked about this before, but, like, yeah, when, it, when you are meditating, it's, like, you know, yes, you do, it, it's good to minimize, like, external distractions as best as you can. You know, like, it's, uh, you know, you don't want the cat to, like, be crawling all over you or, you know – um or have people interrupting you or anything like that. But the thing is, even if you, in a perfect world where you had like no external distractions, you're still going to have internal distractions. Right. So no matter what, you're going to be dealing with distractions when you're sitting and meditating. So um, my advice is just to you know, that that's really the practice is like that is recognizing when you're distracted and then bringing your attention back to again, you know, in this case, to different parts of the body, generally, uh, you know, otherwise, it'd be bringing it back to your breath. Um, And yeah, that's, that's just what you got to (laughs) do. You know, uh, does that answer your question?
1: That satisfies? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Like, is there like a specific distraction that you're thinking of that's troubling you
1: um in this practice today no i'm i'm okay. like free and clear i think i've asked okay. you in the past like about people experiencing like pain thankfully i'm right pain free although i totally ate it in one of the exhibits today but <laughs> oh, i'm fine
2: <laughs> um
1: but yeah i can see like once you're concentrating in different parts of the body like if your back is giving you trouble for example like you You'd be so tempted to like just think about your back the whole time, right? But
0: but yeah, we let we're, it
1: go. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> like, like yeah, acknowledge. Yeah, I mean, we're trying
0: to you know w- the type of meditation that we're practicing here is shamatha, which means calm abiding meditation, which is all about you know it's basically about building focus, and the calm is actually more of a byproduct of the focus, uh, not so much the goal of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just what for this particular meditation, like that's just the goal is to, is to practice your attention. Right. Um, so yeah, if your back is bothering you, I mean, you know, I would try to be comfortable too, you know, I'm not one person to like, you know, if sitting cross-legged, it bothers you. Like, don't sit cross-legged, sit in a chair, you know, like, there's no reason to, like, try to force yourself in any crazy, like, lo- full lotus position or anything like that if you can't do it. Like, so, you know, you want to have, like, a level of comfort in your practice. Um But, yeah, you just place your attention on, in this case, where I will be guiding you. And if another part of your body does pop up, you know, um just bring the attention back to where we're focusing on it. But on the other hand too what you can actually do like you know if you if your back is hurt, hurting uh you know more so if it's like you know tight muscles like if you have an actual wound on your back I wouldn't do this <laughs> necessarily but it's like you know generally when people complain about back pain it's you know tight back muscles try focusing your attention on where it hurts and breathing into that part of your body and see if it shifts um and I have, I would put money that it would shift. It, it may not completely go away, but it would certainly change. And that's just something I'm always like profoundly or just like, I don't know, it just always really impresses me when I think about this idea of like how awareness, like simply the act of being aware and placing your awareness somewhere like changes it. You know, so, so like, of course, you know, if you're in excruciating pain, you know, um, and it's too much, like, don't do it. Uh, You know, there's no reason to torture yourself. But, you know, you can explore that relationship with the pain. And, you know, I think, again, so many people, when they have a pain, you know, their first reaction is to, be like, oh, God, you know, I don't want to feel this pain anymore. What can I do to stop this pain? But maybe just try to slow down a little bit. And, um, you know, if it's if it's not too uncomfortable, like, explore that pain. You know, put your awareness there on that, uh, where you do feel pain. Try breathing into that pain and see if that shifts it. Um, and... Again, I think, you know, your relationship to the pain will change if you do that.
1: I think that's excellent advice.
0: Cool. Um so, yeah, why don't we why don't we meditate? Are you comfortably seated?
1: Very comfortably seated.
0: Cool. And so yeah, again, you can sit cross-legged. Um if you're sitting, you know, in a chair or on a couch, I would just make sure that your feet are firmly planted on the floor. Uh You can feel free to meditate with your eyes uh, open or closed. Um, It's up to you. So, all right. At the sound of the bell, we will begin. So now... We will place our awareness on our feet, just noticing how our feet feel right now in this moment. Maybe they feel warm. Maybe they feel cold. Maybe you notice particular textures touching your feet. However, your feet feel right now, just recognize that and become aware of that part of your body. Seat where our body comes in contact with either the floor or the chair that we're sitting in. Notice how you are held up and supported during your practice. our attention up to the belly. Begin to notice the subtle movements of the belly as it follows the breath. we will bring our awareness up to the heart feeling that space in the center of our chest feel in to this part of your body and become aware of it up to the shoulders checking in with this part of our body because no need to change anything about your shoulders just notice how they feel right now in this moment up to the back of the head, feeling a part of our body we're not often aware of. Bring our awareness back down to our feet. Noticing the textures that are touching them. seat, feeling the support. Next up to our belly, noticing its subtle movements. To the heart, feeling that space in the center of our chest. Next, we'll bring our awareness up to the shoulders, checking in with this part of our body. of the head feet. Next, we'll bring our awareness up to our seat. awareness up to our heart shoulders, and then to the back of the head. just a moment, I will ring the bell, ending our meditation session. Once I ring the bell, I invite you to join me in a bow, dedicating all the merit that we've accrued today to the benefit of all sentient beings. Okay. So how was that?
1: That was excellent and was so needed as of late.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how so?
1: Um, I've just been wearing a lot of hats, um, both at work and then for some reason deciding that in my own life, why not put on even more hats? Yeah. So I've been like on overdrive, conditioning my brain to never turn off and to like almost interrupt itself. Mm-hmm. And I—that's what I've been reinforcing, and that's what I've been practicing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been practicing meditation. Let me tell you, I've been practicing <laughs> too many hats and overdrive, so to the point where I, I wasn't functioning well. Um. So this was such a nice dive back in to being like, no, you have control of what you're thinking yeah. And to, and to take a step back. Number one, to focus if there's something I want to focus on. And if I'm truly like, I'm overwhelmed, I don't need to be focusing on anything right now to like, to know I have the power for that. And to you have the most buttery voice. So to be able to just <laughs> like, you're like, just weed that through has been such a nice like refresh to get back into practicing that and just being in, in control of my my brain.
0: That's awesome. Well, yeah, and I mean, I don't think you're the only one that is practicing. Guaranteed uh, <laughs> their life in maximum overdrive, and yeah, I mean, it's like you know that's. A habit of yours and i mean it's a habit of mine too you know i've i've been trying to be very careful and be very much more aware of like committing uh or oh, trying not to overcommit. because i mean that's just sort of a tendency of me to be like you know i don't like to say no to people you know and uh but i'm trying to like kind of establish more of those boundaries where i'm like no, I can only do it like for this amount of time or or just simply I can't do it right now because I don't, you know, because I don't have the time. And um, so, yeah, it's important to counteract those habits by, you know, me- doing a practice like this, you know, and that's that's why we practice meditation is, is just to do that. So um, I'm glad you found it beneficial and uh, thank you for practicing with me today.
1: Thank you, Jeremy.
0: Yeah. So before we wrap up, uh, any last things you want to plug or any, any last shout outs you want to give? I mean, definitely you got to check out it's bad cat family, right? That's the name of the Instagram.
1: Yep. So my, my Instagram is bad cat family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, obviously I have pictures of my good cat, my bad cat and, um, and anything we've got going on. So whether I'm <laughs> selling things to just kind of better, better your life and your relationship with your cats. Um, so that's, that's really big, a big side project that one of the hats I was talking about because mm-hmm. um, I am so passionate about like having your animals in your life and, and, and really connecting with them in, in many layers of meaningful ways whether it's training or enrichment but um also like look into your local local zoos and and any uh, AZA accredited facilities and and there's others that aren't accredited that are also doing good work but for sure the accredited ones is I know I can speak to just just know that you're a part of conservation and, and also just don't beat yourself up cuz I know I do of <laughs> pl- I'm plugging I'm plugging don't beat yourself up uh, up about not being perfect about yeah. whatever it is um, um, conservation stuff like that because then you'll just never do it because you think it's too overwhelming yeah but it's not like doing something and whatever you find is important is, is so much better than nothing
0: yes totally and I felt I felt that a lot too of being overwhelmed and you know leading me to a place of not not taking action because i don't think i can do it perfectly you know but i you know buddhism and other practices you know certainly emphasize this idea of intention right and i just think you know if if your intention is good and your heart's in the right place then like even if something isn't (laughs) you know the biggest success of all time Mm -hmm. like it's still it's still a win and you still made a difference if if again your intention was good um so yeah so thank you nina check out your zoos check out badcat uh family on instagram also nina i don't know if uh if you've seen much of him lately but if you get a chance to see uh, Slugger my uh, former oh, cat yes. uh, and and of course Bryce too can't forget Bryce you know? <laughs> make sure to uh, give them my love and um, my roommate Bryce uh, moved uh, back to Virginia after once the pandemic hit and uh, took our cat along with him uh, so I hope hope Slugger is doing good uh shout out to slugger uh but <laughs>
1: we love slugger we get we get picture updates all the time and he, and he does rock the uh the bad cat family gear so oh yeah <laughs> well, you
0: should put put a picture of him you know that's have, a great idea yeah like you know you can't can't there are other cats besides noah and gertie nearly. yeah all slugger right, is you know.
1: pretty a pretty handsome model and so. he
0: is you know he's, he's part of the family he's yes. definitely part of the family so but anyway nina thanks so much uh for being here again thought this was awesome conversation really really enjoy your perspective uh and uh sharing your your stories about these wonderful relationships with these animals that you have and uh to everybody listening uh you know stay mindful uh don't worry too much and uh we'll see you next time take care This has been another episode of Meditating with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out my Instagram at jeremymcmindfulness.